Welcome to the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. We're delighted to have you back with us here. Uh, as we talk about instant replay, well, it seems like there are a lot of people talking about instant replay now, uh, certainly on the heels of, of what happened um, if, if you're a fan of the Saints, you can say to the Saints. Even if you're not a fan of the Saints, you can say during that game uh, when there was clearly an, an, an enormous mistake by the officiating crew. Uh, we know that the NFL is taking some steps, but I think it just it, essentially it, 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 it put a spotlight on something that people have been talking about for a while now, and that is the, the role of instant replay in sports. And to talk about that a little bit, we're delighted to have with us Greg Johnson, uh, Greg Champion Magazine Associate Editor, uh, and has just finished writing an article for the magazine. It'll be in the spring 2019 issue titled Upon Further Review. Greg, nice to have you here with us. Thanks for having me on. So let, let's talk a lot about instant replay, all right? Um, the title I said, Upon Further Review, what, what was the idea behind the article? We'll get to details, but what did you want it generally to be about? Well, I um, part of my duties here at the NCAA, um, I cover all the rules committee meetings, and that's where the origin for the article came from. Um, we have 17 rules committees, and they're all... It's almost it's eerie how the <laughs> conversations once it gets to video replay in their sports, somebody inevitably says, "You know, if we do this, we're going to stop the game more," and then somebody comes back, "Yeah, but we got to get that call right." So that was the origin of it. Um, I work pretty closely with our playing rules staff that's here in the building. That are the main liaisons, the primary liaisons to each rules committee, and. Um, I just was talking to each of them. I was like, you know, this there's a uh, overarching theme every time I'm sitting in these rooms, and um, like, the technology's not. It's only going to get better. So, hopefully, um, we can figure out a way to make it coincide where there aren't as much delay time in making the decisions. So, well, you're, you're right that there was a story there <laughs> that you put together. Let's start off. You do a very good job, I think, for and laying out the history. Of, of instant replay, video replay in terms of sports. Give us a, a little sense of, of what you found and what you've written about in the article. I mean, it's like, um, you know, the original intent of replay was to enhance the for the viewer, the, the enjoyment for the viewer, and then you add the color analyst that comes in and can explain to you what you just saw. And those were the origins. I mean, uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Company tried to, uh, they used it in the 50s. They tried to dabble around with it for uh, Hockey Night right. in Canada. By the way, I didn't know that. I thought I knew a lot about this. <laughs> so see, I, I learned something from your article. Yeah, yeah, just doing the research on it. And uh, the very first college game that had instant replay was uh, Army-Navy, 1963. And um, they used it, and they had to make sure that they told everyone, like, hey, <laughs> They didn't just score twice. This is a replay <laughs> well, of what you just a, saw. It's a great story. You and yeah. I were talking about it before, and you mentioned it in, in your article. And I had, I, I did a, a documentary for CBS Sports about the 63 Army-Navy game. And, and the theme of it was not only was one of the great Army-Navy football games in, in that, that, that long and rich and deep tradition of Army-Navy games. It was Roger Staubach's Heisman Trophy years, junior year. Uh, there was a duel between Roger, the quarterback of Navy, and Rolly Stitchway, who was the 
great quarterback of Army. And Tony Verna and I got to interview him, who was the director of that. And he was the one that made the decision, let's use the instant replay. And he told me how they'd been toying with it kind of all year and trying to figure out how does this work? You know, how can we make this work? And they saved it to Army-Navy. They saved it until about the third quarter. Rolly Stitchway scores a touchdown for Army. And they pull this thing out and do it. And as you mentioned, they said the switchboard light lit up. Yeah. And, and people are saying, well, how did I miss a touchdown, a second touchdown? And boy, does that look like the first touchdown? <laughs> what is that all about? So he, he talked about the, you know, the notion of how people were puzzled by this whole thing. Um, so, so, you know, that's the first time you pull it out there. But I was struck by the observation you made that it was designed to enhance the viewing experience. Yeah. It wasn't designed to enhance officiating, right? Yeah. Talk, talk about the, the, the history of it to enhance officiating with uh, specifically the NFL, because this is another fact that I didn't know about. Yeah, the NFL's dabbled around with it from the mid-'70s. They were, uh, you know, once they saw the replay, uh, I think Tech Schramm was like one of the leaders. He was uh, ran the Dallas Cowboys when they got to the America's team phase <laughs> of their existence. And um, finally around the mid-'80s, it was 1986, they felt like they – had it, uh, the technology, they felt like they had a uh, system that they could follow and to do the replay, and it lasted for about five years. And Why, you know, did, they, why did they stop it? The owners voted it out because they just didn't feel like uh, they were getting the calls correct. They didn't like uh, the protocols, and they were just like, hey, let's just go back to having the officials, and we just live with the calls on the field. And that worked all the way until the 1998 season, and there was a very controversial call with uh, Vinny Testaverde. He was quarterback for the New York Jets at the time. He's going in at the end of the game. The clock's running out. His helmet crossed the goal line. Mm -hmm. They were playing the Seattle Seahawks. But when you saw the replay, the ball never yeah, crossed. Ball ne I remember the game. I remember yeah. The ball never crossed the goal line. And they called the touchdown. Uh, the Jets won. They went to the playoffs. Seattle misses the playoffs by one game. And their whole coaching staff got fired. So <laughs> there were there consequences. Were, yeah, there was a lot of things shook up over this call. And the next year, you know, the owners, uh, the owners meeting, they got together, they voted, and they decided to go back to the replay just to correct a call like that that, you know, could have easily had been corrected if replay was available to the officials. Talk about then the 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 progression, if you would, of the use of instant replay in the college games. Uh, it started uh, with men's and women's basketball and uh, men's ice hockey in the uh, late 90s. They felt like they had the technology, you know, just to go for simple things like with the did the puck cross completely cross the goal. You know, you have the camera over the goal now right on the goal line. A lot of the arenas have that available to them. Uh, you know, in basketball it was, uh, you know, sometimes the referee may not have the right shooter. They may not have the right person that they call the foul on. You can go look at that. Any kind of altercation, like how did it start? Did someone come off the bench? You know, you can go look at things like that. Um, and it's evolved now. <laughs> if you watch the uh, men's Final Four, we had a controversial call in one of the semifinals with Virginia and uh, Auburn. Uh, there was a double dribble, but also if you look closely at that play, there was also a foul where the guy's uh, Ty Jerome, the point guard right. for Virginia's jersey, was grabbed before he double dribbled. Exactly. So do you call that? Do you, like you didn't call the foul, so back? do you not yeah. call the, yeah. the double dribble? Yeah, like, um, it, it, so you knew at the time they had a foul to give. They mm -hmm. wanted to give it. It wasn't called. So is that a missed call that we can live with? But the double dribble is something we can't live. You know, uh, it's just a endless debate 
at that point. And um, it's just, like I said, all of our sports, that's like a marquee event. But, you know, it's just as passionate. I was just in a wrestling rules meeting where they were talking about Matt's side video. Mm-hmm. And should they expand that? And they're trying to get rid of uh, frivolous challenges. It's all coaches' challenges in wrestling. So um, I was like, wow, right on cue. So the story is going to be relevant. Let's talk about some of the particular issues that that you mention in your article. And the the one is the the notion of um, a lot of people might think it's required of, of schools and conferences now that the technology has become so enhanced. What's the reality of that? The reality is it's all uh, permissive. Um, it's all optional. If you feel like your conference doesn't have the manpower or the technology or the just your facilities not set up for video, you don't have to implement it. And uh, it's usually a conference-wide decision that's made uh, at any of the three divisions. So, um, so it's across the board: division one, division two, and division yeah, three. It's a, it's a rule, um, and it's up to each championship committee to decide if they want to put it in the championships. And then, if they do put it in the championships, they have to go to facilities that can accommodate the video replay. So, I mean, that's where we're at. Um, I mean, I can mention my own experience. You know, I, I played football at Yale, and I've called. Ivy League football games for probably 10, 15 years, you know, four or five of them mm-hmm. a year. It's a, it's a great joy for me to be able to do it. ESPN took over the package. They're doing a great job, you know, embracing the Ivy League. So I did about five, four, five, six games last year for ESPN. But the Ivy League did not, uh, did not have the instant replay until about two seasons ago. Okay. And one of the reasons was not every school said we can have it staffed. You know, not everybody was was videoing every single game. I think now what you've seen is like with ESPN Plus and and the schools themselves now have their own platforms uh, to get it out. So now everybody is videoing a game. Uh, so it's allowed them to say, all right, we'll we'll dedicate one you know one monitor here, and we've got some people who are officials. I mean, they're not just grabbing somebody out of the stand saying, hey, you want a free hot dog? You know, come on, <laughs> you're the you're the video official, you're the replay official here. So they have. You know, officials who have a lot of experience there. But it's made a difference. But they weren't able to do it originally because they didn't have the facilities. Yeah, and I think that's the issues a lot of our D2 and Division III uh, schools. They're just saying, like, uh, we have, like, maybe one or two cameras where we web stream. But you never know. Maybe that one camera may catch something Mm -hmm. that the officials didn't see. But if you don't feel comfortable using it, like I said, you don't have to use it, and there are factions of people uh, from those divisions who are just saying, like, until we get the technology and it's less expensive or, you know, they're just not – they just rather live with what the officials call on the field. Mm-hmm. They just feel like uh, the players make mistakes, the coaches make mistakes. Like, why can't we live when the uh, official makes a mistake? It's interesting because for the longest time, it was always, no matter how egregious the error was, the response was always, hey, you know what? It's part of football. It's part of basketball. It's part of lacrosse. It's, you know, part of baseball. It's part of whatever sport you want to mention. People would say they do a good job. They try to do the best job they can. It's a hard job. Quite candidly, I don't know why anybody would want to be an official. <laughs> you know, that, those people really love the games yes. to, to subject themselves to they that. Do. But it was always viewed as, okay, it's part of the game. Get over it. We'll deal with it. Everybody makes mistakes. But as you said at the very top, now with this enhanced technology, 
you know, it, it gets harder and harder to say, why aren't we doing it? So let's talk about some of the reasons why people are saying why we, 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 we should be concerned about it. And the one, let's talk about the notion of delays. What, do you, what did you hear from people in your reporting about the, the concerns they had over delays? I mean, all of our sports, uh, are a lot of them are concerned about pace of play. Mm. Not necessarily, you know, you want things to speed up, but you want things happening. You know how our society is. I mean, everything's instant. <laughs> instant gratification. Yeah, you don't want people waiting around. It's how fast can we get this done. So that was uh, that's usually the biggest uh, obstacle that uh, people point to is like, you know, like every time we add something that can be delayed or that can be reviewed, it's going to create a delay. And can we live with that? And that's the philosophical debate that all our committees are going through with this. And, so, you, you, so you've got the philosophical debate over over delays themselves. But then you also seem to have and you talk about this questions about, well, do they have to be this long? The delay, and why are so so many of them? Why do they seem to be? Because I, I know you'll hear the, even the commentators on, on on the game saying, "Look, did he did he touch the ball or not? Who's the last guy to touch the ball? All right, why is it taking them so long to look at that?" I think a lot of that is just the responsibility that you feel as an official to get the call right. Well, it's easy for the guy sitting over at the analyst booth to go like, all right, let's just move on right. when your decision isn't affecting this game and the outcome. And, I sure. mean, people's legacies. Especially again, the last two minutes of a game, yeah. it really affects the outcome, yeah, as we've seen. Unbelievable. So they want to make sure they get it right. And a lot of times what you're seeing on TV may not be what the official is looking at at that it, particular it, ex- time. Explain that. Why, why is that? Because I think a lot of people assume that exactly what they're seeing on television is exactly what the officials are seeing. I mean, the way it is, um, a lot of our, our sports use this system called DB Sports, and they may have four angles on the screen. And when the official goes over, they may say, hey, show me uh, scene one or, you know, that one. And they'll look at it. Well, they may be showing the replay from the fourth scene that they're looking, you know, that we're seeing on TV. And they haven't got to that one yet. But, you know, it's all hit or miss at that point. But, you know, uh, they're showing you different angles, but not the exact sequence. Uh, A lot of our sports, uh, I was talking to our field hockey uh, guy. And he goes like, you know, we may go over and say, hey, show me that last penalty quarter. And like, if they don't know the terminology, what's yeah. a penalty quarter? Yeah, as we were running, the cameras are saying, look, yeah. I, this is the first time I've ever seen a field hockey game. I got no idea what's going on so out there. I delay. certainly don't know what a penalty corner is. <laughs> yeah. So you have that. And also you talk about the fact that in, in, in a lot of instances, um, they might not have the technical ability to show you the different – look, when we're watching the Final Four, they got 20-some – I don't even know how many cameras they've got in the arena – um, but in most games that are being played, you're not going to have that many camera angles coming out. And I think that's something that people don't don't realize. Yeah, I mean, there's a big difference. Like if a game's on the SEC network compared to ESPN, there's probably going to be more cameras at the ESPN, you know. I mean, it's just the way it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may get a reverse angle. You know, they may have an extra camera on the opposite sideline that could show you. Uh, they may have the pylon camera now that they have around the goal lines. You know, we've got that now. Um, it's just, uh, it's not an equal, like, playing field at times with the broadcast. And, it, you know, sometimes you put the broadcast partners in a spot. It's like, hey, we're trying to 
do a quality broadcast. We're not really focused on the officiating. Yeah. But now you've added now that becomes part of the broadcast. Yeah, into that. So. You mentioned before the notion of different sports, and again, you talk in your article about different sports, and and this this was was sort of surprising. I hadn't thought about this, but you know, if you're talking about a a seventy thousand seat football arena. And the officials are looking under the hood, and somebody someplace is looking there. I mean, nobody's close to them. They're making their decision. Uh, even in basketball, even a 20,000-seat basketball arena. But, but you mentioned concerns that have been raised about, let's say, at a, at a wrestling match, where people are literally five feet away from, from the officials. Yeah, What's the, the coaches lobbying? Yeah. yeah. And they'll, like, try to get someone that's a bigger body to shield them and give them a little privacy. They've used umbrellas at our championships where they try to shield the officials. So just so they feel some sense of privacy because all eyes are on them. Uh, like I said, you know, these are the highest level of competition that we have. Uh, people are trying to win national championships, whether individually. Uh, these calls are extremely, you know, emotional for the people involved. And when you're supposed to be the impartial party trying to make everything fair, uh, the last thing you need is people chirping at you, and it's like, hey, just let me give me a second here to go under and uh, really get a good look at this. I love the image of somebody holding an umbrella. Yeah, it's <laughs> a block. It's, yeah, with uh, Tim Shields, what, is what our, the official is doing with an yeah, umbrella. Our national court of officials. I was like, how do you train him with that? He goes, it's really by fire. It's just you just learn how to deal with it. But we are trying to help them. In those situations. One of the other the concerns you talk about, and it's you do this so well in the beginning of the article, is is the emotional. I don't know if "toll" is the right word, but let's say impact that these delays can have. And and you talk about um, you know the Villanova hitting the the literally last second basket in 2016 yeah. to win the championship last year. Um, Notre Dame you know twice hitting a buzzer beating basket, um, and then you know you start to celebrate and all of a sudden it's like, oh wait a minute, <laughs> the guys yeah. are at the desk. What's going on? Did did you is that just something that we look at and we say oh that shouldn't happen or are there people who are genuinely concerned about? the notion of kind of sucking the air out of, of the There's event. There's definitely concern about the spontaneity being lost in a moment like that. Like, why can't a team, you know, just let loose, celebrate? Uh, when you watch uh, Arike Agumbawale's shot to win the national championship over Mississippi State in 2018, uh, the, the players run off the bench and can immediately hear the officials blowing the whistle. They got their hands up like, hey, everybody, wait. We got to go look at this. You know, there's a celebration, but it's kind of muted, mm -hmm. and the coaches are all hugging each other, but you still got to wait till they acknowledge after they look at the video. And, uh, like, you go back just in time, like when you look at the famous NC State play where uh, Lorenzo Charles yeah. dunks the ball to beat Fosley Majama. I mean, they just signaled that good, and people run. Everybody on the runs court off the, the iconic image of Jimmy Valbano yeah. running around yeah. looking for somebody to hug. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like, right. we're not going to have those moments anymore. Yeah. The way technology is, and the way we're going to review. I mean, but and I guess the, the, the counter argument is, is yeah. The question is, what are we willing to give up? Yeah, for accuracy. Do you um, want to get this call right or not? Yeah. yeah. What last question for you is? Were you surprised by the the opinions you were getting from from folks? either in terms of how many were saying, yeah, that's okay, we're willing to pay whatever it's going to cost us, literally and figuratively, to get it right. 
as opposed to others saying, yeah, we're losing too much from the games themselves. Uh, one of the interesting interviews I did was with uh, Julie Vec. Uh, she's a, a longtime uh, women's volleyball official. She's refed uh, NCAA matches for over 25 years. She's done international volleyball matches. I mean, she's like top of the line. And she told me uh, when they put in the coaches challenge for women's volleyball, this is indoor volleyball three years ago, um, she said it made her a better official. And I really wanted to get into that. It's in the article. Uh, so she just told me she, uh, the very first uh, challenge, she was pretty sure she got the call right. She was almost like 99% sure. And she looked at the replay and there was a touch on a fingertip that she didn't see. And she said it really opened up her vision. Like I was focused in on one area and I didn't see the touch in another area. So. I mean, if it's helping our officials, um, I think most officials you talk to, their main priority is, like, I do not want to be the reason someone won or lost. I just want to call this, uh, let the teams decide. And uh, you'll never hear an official, um, if they make a bad call like that, that costs a game. And I've talked to these men and women that call it. I mean, they nobody feels worse than they do. So um, I think they kind of like the fact that, uh, hey, let's check this and make sure. Uh, give me a chance to do my I'm job better. I'm not infallible. Yeah, yeah. And give me a chance to do my yeah, job better. Uh, my ego's not so big that I can't uh, get this right. And I just think we're at the point now, if we took it away, there's going to be such a clamoring to yeah. bring it back. You almost can't take it away at this point. Yeah, I guess the question is, as you say, where do we go from here? Kind of Maybe thing. the technology will be there where the delays won't be as bad. Yeah. And, uh. yeah. Well, Greg, it, it is, um, again, a great article upon further review of the spring 2019 issue of Champion Magazine. It is a marvelously uh, revealing, pun intended, <laughs> look at the notion of instant replay and, and the issues and the struggles and where we're going. So thanks so much, Greg Johnson, Champion Magazine Associate Editor, for spending some time with us. You thanks well. for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Great. Thank you, Greg. So that does it for this edition of the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. Thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to talking with you again real soon. <laughs>